Gonzaga Nation SI, Dan Dickow, Adam Morrison. Well, this is the final episode of season two yet to be determined. We've got to figure out. You've got lots going on. I've got lots going on. We may do it next year. We may not. If you want us to keep it going, let us know. If you think this is the worst podcast that covers Gonzaga basketball, just let us know that as well. That may have something to do with uh, with us carving out time next year. But Mo. More times than not, because of our schedules, we did it on Zoom. It's great to have a final season recap in person. Um, you know, we, we'll, we'll cover a little bit of, of the UCLA-UConn Sweet 16 Elite Eight games, the NCAA tournament in general. Um, but first question I have for you, and we can both expand on our thoughts, is I thought this was a tremendous season for Gonzaga basketball. I, I thought they exceeded expectations once we really knew what this team was. Totally, excuse me, totally agree. I mean, there's, at the start of the year, uh, there was big question marks besides Drew Timmy, really, it was the only one, and then Julian a little bit. Obviously, for Julian, the, the question mark was how big of a jump could he make from last year. Um, but if you look at point guard, uh, guys off the bench, Malachi Smith as a transfer, you know, and then, you know, you can get into Efton Reed and then Hunter Silas, the guys that didn't play, Last year, Ben Gregg, um, you know, having those question marks and then finishing, what, 31-6 and six and getting to lead eight, I think it was a really successful year. The schedule we played in the non-conference was really difficult. Um, that's where some of the doubt came in because we took some lumps early. Mm-hmm. But part of that was we weren't seasoned um, the way we were in the past. So, like, some of the warts and holes were, were evident early, but it was like these are things that we can – you know, figure out and, and continue to work on and cover up. Um, and so you and I, we both cover the team. We knew the growth was going to go this way. You know, we knew we were going to trend yeah. eventually. Um, so that was the, the fun part about this season is, is watching these kids grow as a team, guys grow into their roles. Uh, you know, watching Fuey and the staff kind of have to make um, more adjustments than they would in the past and, and coach better in that how do i say that it's in a sense of like having to coach more because you don't have as much talent yeah and that's not a knock but it's like all right you know in the last few years like here jalen here you go yeah you know what i'm saying like it's yeah. pretty it's not easy but it's easier um and they would tell you that too so it, it was fun to watch that part and you know for if, if we're breaking down um you know comparison to other programs like what have we got eight straight sweet 16s was it five out of the last eight elite eights and then obviously two final fours two national championship games like 31 and six pretty good year yeah i I think if you're any program that hasn't won a national title you're trading your Mm. recent resume for gonzaga's and i think that's easy to say and i agree with you i think the the trajectory of the team continued to get better i thought the coaching staff as you mentioned they did a great job this year Mm -hmm. because they didn't just have a finished product. I mean, that year that they lost in the title game where they were undefeated all the way until the, the end, mm-hmm. that was literally a finished product five games in. Yeah. Like, this works, this works. Oh, well, when we run this, this guy needs to handle the ball. Yeah. And they were just kind of tweaking things as the season went on. Yeah. This year, they weren't really tweaking things. They were rebuilding some things yeah. at different times. Um, and so I do think the coaching staff did a great job. Um, I, I thought... The expectations nationally didn't match up with the roster right away because Drew was the only yeah, really right. well-known entity coming back. Mm-hmm. 
you knew Julian had a chance to be good. You knew Malachi Smith had a big reputation and the other guys we mentioned had to grow into their roles and they did, but those over, over reaching expectations nationally put a lot of pressure on them locally because we know how much Gonzaga mm-hmm. fans and community loves this program, wants them to get to a final four again and win a national title. But I think because of those, outlandish expectations it set a tone for the local community to not realize hey this isn't like the last couple years yeah Yeah, no i totally uh, i agree it's uh you know patience was was uh key for a fan base this year and it wasn't like you know be patient with us because we're not very good so be patient because guys got to have a chance to mold into what they are going to become and and how to become a zag and how to play you know, when our within our culture, and like you said, all right, this guy needs to be at this spot. You know what I mean? So some of that, some of that stuff takes time. And then we played really good teams early in the season yeah. that we're seeing. Like Texas was old, Purdue, even though they got bounced early, you know, was one of the best teams in college basketball, um, and and things of that nature. So, you know, I was really pleased with the, how the season went. Um, you know, it was fun. You know, seeing the hearing the sky is falling type of deal. I mean, at one point we were nineteen and five. I think we lost to LMU, and everybody was like, "There's no way we're ever going to win a, <laughs> another game in our lives," you yeah. know. And and that stuff's funny, uh, and I get it because it, it is nice too, though, on the backside to have a fan base that actually cares. So we always, I always have to remind myself, like, some of the negativity or c- criticism is is good because you know some programs don't have that because nobody really cares. It's, it's football, or you know, or yeah. there's a pro team or whatever. Um, but also it's like, Hey man, just take some time. These guys are going to uh, peak at the right, uh, you know, time. They're going to grow into their roles and, and, and things of that nature. So uh, that was a fantastic year. It was a fun season. There was way more competitive games and that's the argument on the backside. It's like, well, you know, the last few years, it's been great, you know, undefeated and, and things of that nature, but there's been a lot of 30, 40 point blowouts, and those ain't fun to watch. Yeah, they're not fun to call as broadcasters <laughs> they're not, either. They're boring. They're they're <laughs> extremely boring. And this year there was hardly any of those. So I for as a as a broadcaster, it was more fun to be engaged in games, you know, after halftime. And I know it sounds funny, but like in the last three, four years, half of our games, or maybe forty percent, games were over at half. Yeah. Which is crazy yeah. to think, right? Yeah. And so um yeah, it was a fantastic year, and it's not just because they had that great shot against UCLA, which we'll talk about. Um, it was fun watching young men um, grow into roles and a team slowly mold together. Um, and as a competitor and, and as a former player, and you know this, it, that's that's one of the special parts about team sports. And when you're involved in it as a player, it's great. And then when you're kind of involved with it or you're, you're part of the program still, it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, we're lucky because we have that close enough connection where we still pull for them as alumni, but also we get the inner inside look as broadcasters. We get to talk to Coach Few about game plans at times and Mm -hmm. get the the inside scouting report. So it does make it unique and fun look for us. But uh, let's talk about that Sweet 16 weekend. I was down there for the UCLA game, Mm -hmm. and I was sitting courtside for, for UConn just demolishing um who was it now it's Arkansas Arkansas in that in that sweet 16 matchup and I was sitting there thinking like 
This is not a good matchup for Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, just because of their size, the, the 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 pace that they played with offensively, the mm-hmm. crispness, the spacing that they had. Um, but then Gonzaga in the UCLA game, they answered every challenge that came up. Mm-hmm. And what was your takeaway in that in that UCLA game? Because I, I thought uh Drew Timmy did everything he could to keep them in it, and then they made the big plays down the stretch. Yeah, I think that matchup was the better of the matchups um, are going into that game for us. And I, I, I knew the staff liked that matchup, um, you know, cause we beat them two times previous. Obviously we beat them in the final four of the Jalen. And then the year before we beat him, <clears throat> excuse me, beat them in that same building. So the UCLA game going into it was like, well, we have a really good chance to win this game. I know, I think UCLA was favored by a point. So it was basically a pick them. Um, but they lacked depth inside. Um, I like their perimeter over there. So Tiger Campbell's good, but they only had one good guard. I, I liked our, you know, depth mm-hmm. on the perimeter better. Um, and so, you know, I thought Drew Timmy did a fantastic job of kind of carrying us, but I thought everybody kind of stepped up and, and made enough plays. Um, they just had a weird, you know, last minute, minute and a half of that basketball game where, you know, things go wrong. But, I, you know, I got to say this, and it's not just being a fan of Gonzaga, but like, I'm sick of watching the officiating just change <laughs> at the end of games. Yeah, like we walled up and we're there within our cylinder every single time and jumped backwards on two of those. And Hakez, great player, fantastic career, gets two and ones that change the complex of that game. But the whole prior to that, <laughs> that's not a foul. Yeah, and we're trying to like get out of the way. So that's what that's what bothered me about that last. Uh, sequence I think UCLA kind of got the benefit of the doubt but give them credit you're supposed to drive the basketball and put the onus on the officials all coaches tell you that um but you know thank goodness for Julian Strother for stepping up and making that shot and in in all reality it's probably a bad shot I know they drew it up they drew it it, up but not for a 32 footer whatever it was yeah no it's not and you know being in the double bonus as well, you should probably drive it in same situation where you put the onus on the officials. Um, but thank goodness he made that shot and, and then they consequently got the steal on the other end and made one out of two free throws to, you know, put us up two or three or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, it was a fantastic game. It was an all time classic. It's nice to be there, but like you said, going into the, after that matchup, watching UConn just dismantle Arkansas, I was like, oh, man, yeah, this is going to be tough. Yeah. They were really good. Yeah. <laughs> Best you know, team I've seen live. 100%. And there's a difference in watching teams live close yeah. versus watching them on TV. Because I saw UConn plenty of times throughout the year in, in stretches, and, and I liked them, but I didn't realize, like, Jackson, as big as he was, yeah. he's their primary ball handler more times than probably Newton yeah. um, or Allen. Uh, but to stay with the the UCLA game really quick, how sick do you get of people bringing up the UCLA game when you played? Because I get sick when I get brought up about Wyoming and when my yeah. team lost. But yeah. yours was even more because now you got a commercial with it. Yeah, I think uh, it's part of March, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think after Jalen's, it kind of died down. But then it was it happened randomly again. But I think uh, CBS and the tournament likes that matchup yeah right storyline it's, sure. an, it's an entertainment tournament people don't because they have their hand in the scheduling to a certain extent 100 yeah well it's it's, it's 
it's a massive entity and it's made to make money right yep. so it's like it's not just like it's not i'm not calling it like wwf but like they put matchups to for like good tv like that's just how it goes um so i understood that was going to be part of it um i was just really happy obviously that julian strother bailed me out so i wouldn't have to talk about it again afterwards because <laughs> it's the same it would have been the same storyline similar yeah it was the same thing yeah um so that that part was nice but i think eventually it it you know kind of I don't know. I, our SID said it good. He's like, we've beaten them three times in a row now, twice in the tournament. You know, it's like at some point, like people got to kind of move on. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it bothered me probably 10 years ago. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. To be honest, like yeah. I, I, it's part of March. And then also like, I finally got paid off of it. <laughs> the commercial. <laughs> Can't complain about that. Can't complain it. So that, yeah, that part, awesome. it was kind of nice to be like, all right, finally I monetized this thing. Yeah. We'll keep bit. it rolling then. Every yeah, March you want exactly. another commercial, let's redo it, right? I, I Yeah. There was a, tw I actually did a Dove commercial years ago. I didn't do it, but a clip of me in that game with Ryan Hollins, and it was like two seconds long and I got paid for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like... All right, I guess if it's still going and it's still going, I can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go to the UConn game because you touched on the officiating at the mm -hmm. end of the UCLA game. Um, the officiating, it didn't determine the outcome of the game by any stretch. Yeah. UConn was a better team. Yeah. But before we talk about some of the the, the impactful plays or, or people in the game, that fourth foul on Drew Timmy is exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. To me, I, and I put a tweet out during the right after this happened. The NBA versus college officiating is night and day. Yep. Because there was no advantage or disadvantage with that contact in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Drew wasn't going to get it. The player that he, he made All contact wasn't going to get it. Yeah. All it, went in. Yeah. Just let it go. I know. Officials it's... at this college level, because they get graded and they want to move on to mm -hmm. the next round, if they are deemed as missing a call by their supervisor, they get dinged, so yeah. they want to make every single call. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think there needs to be a national federation of officials, not just conferences. Maybe there is one, but I think they send, you know, all the officials, their best officials through the conferences, and then they make their way up. But I think there needs to be <clears throat> like a national grading process or a deal where it's you know one conference is more physical and blah because that's where the, some of the issue comes in. Yeah. Okay. And then, like you said, like that play had no effect. I, I like the soccer analogy, and I think they do it in Europe, and they do it in the NBA as well, is advantage. And if there's no advantage gained, then just let the play flow, let the game flow. And they do that on travels and stuff. Like guys on the perimeter will, like, shuffle their feet, but if they're not dribbling and going anywhere, like, who cares? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you played in Europe. You understand that. Um, so I, I just – that took the air out of any chance to come back in that game. When drew gets that fourth, he has to sit in that spot no matter what. Um, and it's one of those deals where Jackson's a great player. That's the kid's name, right? Mm -hmm. He like grabbed his arm and, and flew it up towards his, like it was a crafty move yeah. to make it look like drew swung. And, and it was one of those deals where when Jackson quote unquote got hit, he didn't even like react cause it wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he you know how it is when you're playing and, and like somebody catches you, but you know, it was like inadvertent and it didn't hurt. Like you don't even make it, you don't even say anything yeah. like, or, you know, somebody be like, Oh, my fault, man. You know what I mean? That's what that play was. So like the officials right there should have like play should have kept going. He should have been like, knock it off. You two, 
Yep. Put the whistle back in his mouth. If you do it, and then wait for a TV timeout and walk over and be like, if you do that again, I'm, I got to ding you. Mm-hmm. But don't make a big deal about it. And that's where you're 100% right, where the officiating um, is just bad. I mean, I, t- I was sitting courtside, obviously, before that UConn, I think it was before the UCLA game, and Stan Van Gundy came over and said, what up? And I'm like, how do you like calling these games? And he's just like, the officiating is so bad. <laughs> Can't say it on air, yeah. but he's just like, these guys just hammer the hell out of people. And he goes, they give no advantage to the offense. Yeah. And he's so right. And he, obviously he likes basketball. He knows basketball. He's been a, a fantastic NBA uh, coach. But, like, that's why sometimes the product called basketball is not good because they just beat the shit out of each other. And then these guys, you get to the tournament, like you said, they have no feel. It's just all about I have to make the exact right call no matter what the context of the game is or I don't get moved on to the next round. And you watch some of these games and you're like, all right, you know, guys are driving and then, you know, they'll put their hands all over guys. But then if they go up in the rim and they're a little bit out of their cylinder, it's a it's like you just never know what is a foul and what isn't. Yeah. There's no continuity to it. So that really took the wind out of our potential sales <laughs> to get uh, a comeback. But UConn was better. I mean, shit, they kicked the shit out of us, to be honest, as far as matchups and and you know all that thing but again it felt like just like the previous ucla game like so much emotion yeah after like a a, yeah and then you go in and play a buzzsaw and that's i felt like that was the same thing when we played baylor and nobody wanted to say it loud but i was like you know hitting a half court shot with jalen suggs everybody's yeah and everybody on the media is like this is the greatest shot i've ever seen in final four hitting which it was yeah and everybody pumping you up, and then you, the other guys on the other team are like, oh, look at this shit. We're going to go kick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fuck these guys. Yeah. And that's what it felt like again with UConn. But that, there was just a bad matchup for everybody, and not just Gonzaga. Like, size, uh, Sonogo was fantastic. Clinging off the bench was like, how would you like to have that kid as it's, your bench? He, he he was like a three-star recruit. He's he, good. He can move. He might be in the NBA. I, I know. Mean, rumor like, is he's probably going to leave now. Like, he's like a traditional big, but, like, he provides rim protection. That's why he can play in the NBA. Yeah. Like, if he can become a, a, you know, a dive guy and then, you know, a, a lob and rim protection, like, that's what that looks like in the NBA. Like, a yeah. 7-2 guy that protects the rim. Um, and then... You mentioned the Jackson kid was fantastic. Hawkins, like Hawkins coming off the screens. Legit. He looks like the second coming. And I say Ray this Allen. because it's UK, UConn, yeah. Ray Allen. I mean, yeah. the way he moves, the high pocket release, the footwork. Yeah. He looks like Ray Allen um, in college, Ray Allen. Obviously, yeah. Ray Allen was an all-time NBA player. Um, so that's a, that's a tough comparison for that kid. But, yeah. Um, you know, and then there's their bench. Calcaterra was great. The kid from USD, uh, who's the – caravan or whatever like just a simple role player on the outside yep. but like make a three but then could battle and be like six eight and long you know what i mean it's just like every you look you're like they don't have a weakness and then defensively if you watch them they like downhill switch really good so like even if you get by their guards they just fucking come over and wall yep. and then just switch you know what i mean so it's like it's hard yeah and we just obviously we had to shoot the ball really really well and then have the things go our way uh for us to have a chance and that's not a knock but it, it the tournament's all about matchups and that was just a it was not a good match bad matchup for anybody just watching that game it was like oh shit 
Like, yeah. literally, I was like, oh, this is going to be tough. Well, when I was watching it on TV, I was trying to think to myself, like, what adjustments can we make? Yeah. And there was a couple adjustments made, but really, it didn't matter because yeah, we didn't make shots. Yeah, you got to make shots. And it, I was it, say. at the you end of the day, the shit in, out of it. A team March, yeah. it comes down to matchups, as you talked about, and then making shots. And our guards didn't make shots the way that no. they're capable of at different times throughout the year, and in particular that game. But, yeah. you know, the NCAA tournament as a whole, we've talked off air before we hit record, um, unbelievable in setting of games, unbelievable kind of matchups, unbelievable individual performances, mm -hmm. leading to four teams in the final four that maybe you thought only two of them might be there at the start of the year. Yeah. I mean, nobody was predicting San Diego State or FAU. I mean, I had San Diego State probably four times this year, and I had said – they might be able to get to the second weekend because they defend so well, but yeah. they can't score. Just can't score. And that's exactly what happened. They, they scored enough to get to a championship game, mm -hmm. then they just couldn't score anymore. Yeah. You know, what was your your overall take of the NCAA tournament? Because it was, it was one of the more fun tourneys to really closely follow over the last few years. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. You know, every year there's um, upsets, but I think this year with a 16-1 was cool, you know, fairly Dickinson against uh, Purdue, which was a – a crazy um, matchup because Purdue was Ken Palm, the tallest team and uh, fairly Dickinson was the shortest team or like effective height. There's yeah. a weird metric, whatever that means, but it was literally David versus Goliath in that department. So that was odd to see. And then, you know, felt bad for our boy, you know, Tommy Lloyd getting bounced by Princeton, but they turned out, you know, they get to the sweet 16. So it wasn't a fluke. That was a good yeah. basketball team. And then Furman beating Virginia was, you know, wild, um, yeah, how about that one? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Kihei Clark, good player, good point guard, yeah, just, just throws, throws the it, ball. Throws it to nobody, and then they hit a wild three. And that was the start. That was the first one. Everybody's like, yep. oh, here's the big upset. And then yep. it was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> the you know, here's, yeah, here's two more. And, and then, obviously, FAU's run. So I just I think it shows, like, uh, the parity in college basketball, which I think is great. Um it shows that the COVID stuff is still have a lingering effect as far as like older players, you know, mm -hmm. the older rosters obviously um, were more successful and it, it's no brainer. I, you know, some people get mad about it. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Like cut those. So like, some of these guys are 23. It's like, well, yeah, everybody had to sit out a fucking year. Like, what do you want them to do? I just saw like, a transfer. Boise state just got a transfer seventh year senior next year. See that, that that's <laughs> where I think it's a little bit weird, but yeah. anyway, um, like the fifth year guys, I have no problem with yeah. that because they lost a whole year. Like we, we were number one seed that year and we lost it, you know, with our club. So like, I understand, um, you know, where some people get upset on that, but also the, we're almost through it. But also like, do you want to watch a bunch of young kids play that are not, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I think it was a great tournament. It always is. It's, I think it's the best sporting event in, a, in, you know, North America, like, overall like it's a giant knockout tournament for a month which yeah. is crazy to think but everybody gets excited about it um you know i think just maybe the final four had a little less luster because there was no blue blood yukon is a blue blood but other than that there was no blue bloods yeah um and that people say they want the underdogs but tv always proves that tv want, doesn't want the underdogs well and it, the numbers <laughs> show that they yeah. people want the the non-underdog the blue bloods in the yeah. champ in the final four like everybody wants the upsets early and then you know sweet 16 on give me duke kansas you know everybody's favorite yep. college basketball teams um so I, I 
obviously I thought it was great. It was fun to call. It was great for Gonzaga. The the run that we had was fantastic. The UCLA game was great. Um, I thought the TCU game was great as well. That was a hard-nosed, tough win. It was kind of a good get the monkey off our back as far as Big 12 um, deal. And, you know, looking forward to next year. It's going to be interesting. We got players leaving and transfer portal and all that jazz. Yeah, we'll talk about the portal in a minute. But the expansion of the tournament is a hot topic right now. Some people are saying let's move this to 96 mm. or even 128. Why? And, and I like it the way it is. Yeah. Um, I don't think it needs to get any bigger. I think if there were any restrictions placed on it, it would be if you're in a Power 5 conference and you don't have a winning record or you're not in the top half, mm-hmm. there's no way you should be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Regardless of what your your analytics and your metrics say because you can skew those and some of the leagues have by go, going to a longer um league league season yeah, like i mean i think big games. 10 play 20 games yeah 20 so they're gonna 18. have more opportunities yeah. to, to get those wins yeah no I, I i i have to agree some of it's odd seeing like in tcu's great program they were nine and nine in the big 12 i know it's the hardest basketball conference this year um, but it was that was their best ever season in the Big Twelve, which is crazy to think nine and nine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how hard that league is. Um, so, yeah, it, it it's 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 fascinating because like obviously Florida Atlantic was underseeded, yeah, horribly, right? And God bless them for getting all the way to as far as they did because you know they could have easily lost in this second round or whatever to whoever they'd beaten. The, the, who was the one seed that they beat? Kansas. You know, I think it was Kansas. Kansas, speed, you know what I'm saying? Like they could have easily lost that game and have you know have a season where they have 30 plus wins and get a nine seed. So I think that's the one of the hardest things for the the um, committee to do is is the seeding process and stuff. But overall, it's a great tournament and it always is, and it's a great product. And uh, you know, hopefully, one of these days we win one. Yeah. No, I, I think. The expectations are for Gonzaga by the fans to win one. Mm-hmm. I don't still don't think people understand how difficult it is. Yeah. But I think, you know, Coach Few and staff have a good finger on what it takes. And they've the, the landscape of college basketball has changed since you and I played because of the NIL, because of the transfer mm-hmm. portal, because of the free um, you know, the freedom of the transfers, not just guys wanting to transfer, but how, how many times you can transfer and, and how quickly they're you're eligible. That, I think they're taking that rule away. Yeah, they've talked one. about it where you can do one free, and then after that you have to sit. Which but I think you can is apply for a waiver, and very rarely oh, you get denied. Is the waiver getting denied these days? Uh, good point. So, with that being said, I think Gonzaga at some point will break through and win one. But you know, three Gonzaga players already in the transfer portal: Dominic Harris, which I don't think anybody was surprised about; Efton Reed. It could have gone either way. The way that you know he didn't really. Game a rotational much. spot, yeah. and then Hunter Salas is a little bit more of a of a surprise to me because I thought he came on towards the end of the year as far as his um, trust from the coaches to put yeah. him in in big spots. Yeah. Um, and I thought if he kept progressing at the pace that he progressed the second half of the season, he was going to have a nice junior year. Now I get it; players always think things are greener on the other side, and they mm-hmm. think they're going to have more opportunities. For some guys, it means transferring down a level. Yeah. You know, for some guys, it means just a fresh start somewhere, maybe closer to home. Uh, I can't knock guys too much for transferring because I did it. Granted, mm-hmm. it was a lot different than you had to sit out. There was a lot less guys that did transfer at that time. But um, for each of these three guys, w- what what do you think played into their decision? And, and do you think it was the right one? Because I think 
for Efton and I think for Dominic, it was probably the right decision. I think as as I see it today, that might change a month mm-hmm. or two from now for for Hunter, depending on where he goes. I don't think it was the right one for him, but I don't know his inner thoughts. Yeah, I, I think uh, Dominic made sense. He hadn't played in two years or whatever, you know, long it's been three years, <clears throat> Richard or one or whatever. So two years, yeah, he needs to go play somewhere. Um, Efton was an interesting case because he has a big body and – I think he was a five-star recruit, wasn't he? Yeah. Or, was he McDonald's All-American? I think he was one of those big-time All-American yeah, like games. His, but yeah. anyway, um, so in his mind, he's and in and rightfully so, he's probably thinking he wants to get to the NBA, and he should. Um, but he didn't play at all this year, and um, so if I was if I was him, I'd get out of here too. Um, I think he just fell out of favor with the coaching staff on some of the decision making he made on the floor. Never heard anything bad about him off the floor. He was yeah. great. Um, on the bench, he looked like he was positive. So hats off to him for re- remaining uh, cordial or whatever. Like it's easy to bitch and moan and be a mope about it when you're not playing at all. I've been in that spot, so it, it's it's harder than you think just to sit there and not play and and still be upbeat. So um, I just think <clears throat> he's got to go somewhere where he can get some consistent minutes. But obviously, he's got to improve. I mean, there's some holes in his game that uh, are pretty evident. I mean, lack of shooting ability. I don't care what size you are, you're going to be able to make a 15-footer. It just helps your game. Um, and then I think some of his IQ stuff. And, and again, some of those mistakes that I saw that I'm referencing um, were done in short minutes. So it's hard to be like, well, what, what, what would he look like if he got 20 minutes a night? Would he yeah. make that many that those many mistakes yeah. and blah, blah, blah? But there were some games, like the, the one that comes to mind was the Kentucky game at in the arena where he came in. I think he threw a... a Top, you know, top down law pass went over a guy's head, and then he tried to throw a wrap around. Then he shot a three in three straight possessions. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And that's where it kind of started, like yank. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's where I think some of the mistrust came into play. Um, so I don't blame him for getting out of there. He he deserves a chance to play somewhere else. And like I said, he's a big body. He's got an NBA body, so that still should be the goal for him. Um, Hunter is a, a little bit different. Uh, I thought it was a 50-50 proposition in my in my mind as far as the surprise factor. Like when it first happened, you know, I was out of town and people were talking to me about it. I was like, well, you know, he was a number six recruit in the country, top 50 or whatever the hell, all that ESPN stuff. And I try to think of it as a parent. Like if you're his parents, you're like, well, why is he only playing 14 minutes a night or whatever the hell he's playing? Um, but then also like, you know, in those 14 minutes, great defensive player great like a facilitator great rotation player but he's averaging four points a game yeah so <clears throat> in their minds they're probably thinking we need more opportunity offensively to make mistakes to make shots to to show what i can do offensively um and i think he would have got that opportunity next year um but it just didn't work out for him but he had some great moments at gonzaga so like i wish him all the best but also it's like at some point, like, how do I say this? You, the minutes you get, you gotta have to like be really impactful mm-hmm. to get more. And there was games where he was, and there was games when he wasn't. So I can see why he only played the fifteen to twenty minutes. But when he was playing well, he got more minutes than other guys. So I don't know. I think him transferring, how do I? It wasn't a surprise to me, yeah. to be honest. Well, I mean, that's, that is college basketball now. And I think, yeah. you know, you have to be 
as a staff understanding of guys are going to leave, but then you got to be opportunistic of guys that are going to come in. There's yeah. a number of guys in the transfer portal. I, I think that would be great already um, to, to take a look at Gonzaga and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious about what you think the, the way to structure a program is now with the transfer portal, because I think high school players, they're, they're getting overlooked and yeah. un, unrightfully so. But if you find the right high school guy that you've loved the the projection of what they're going to become in three years, because that's really what you have to look at in a high school kid now mm-hmm. is what are they going to be in three years? Because you can go get a guy as a transfer guy that already has that experience of what he's going to be in three years. But with that projection of finding out if that player and their family wants to wait the three years. Yeah. Because if you look at it, I think Klingon was the only freshman that actually played a meaningful minute in the elite in the final four. Yeah, no, I, it, it, it's definitely impacted the JUCO and, and, you know, high school recruiting ranks, because if you are, if you're a college coach and you can get, you know, let's say a kid that's really good, but he's not a, a like a projected NBA player or whatever. So like a five, a four star kid or three star kid, but you might have to put, it might take him two and a half years, like you said, to, to really pop. Or you can get a guy that you saw like in a smaller conference average, like 12, and he's ready to go, and you're on your last year of your contract. What are you going to do? You're going to get the guy that's going to help you win games. And so <clears throat> I think some of these kids are getting overlooked and not a chance to develop. Um, but that stuff will start to go away, too, when there's less older players, yeah. like I talked about. That COVID year has really impacted high school kids. 100%. Um, so I think you need to have a balance of – everything really i know that's not a great take but it's like gotta have some good high school player young guys obviously that are a chance to you know be nba players or pros you know really good and then you got to mix in your transfer portal guys that you kind of you know it's like being a gm like oh we need to space the floor shooter here you go yeah jordan matthews you know what i mean like and then you know we need a backup big oh let's get the best kid out of the big sky or whatever that's 610 whatever you know what i'm saying he might not you know in his mind, he can average 20 at Gonzaga. He's probably not. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then you get him to, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of fit into your deal. So uh, they'll figure it out. I, I don't think it's, you know, man overboard type of situation. I, I get why people were confused by Hunter because he played more down the stretch and really had some really good moments. And I, I was impressed with his improvement last year. But again, in totality, you got to look at the whole thing. And it's like he was only playing 12 to 18 minutes a night. He averaged four points, and that's not a knock. But, like, for us, it, it hurts defensively. But also, he's not if he can't score the ball, you don't play as much for the coach view. Yeah. And then, in, in fairness, and his parents, you know, if you're his folks and him, you're like, well, I need more opportunity. All right. So yeah. I think it's kind of a, a fair breakup. Um, I don't think there's any love lost, and I can see why he wants to move on. Yeah, no, I wish, I wish those three to nothing but the best of luck. But yeah. um, it is, like I said, it's it's the nature of college yeah. athletics right now. So yeah. uh, let's quickly go through just a couple things before we wrap up the season. But uh, do you have a favorite moment, whether it was a game or a play or or a stretch that happened during the season? Uh, that's a good one. Um, I'm not sure. Like I, there were some... I thought the 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 two games <clears throat> that we played St. Mary's, um, you know, after losing to them at home at their place, and everybody was like, oh, "We're not going to," you know, 
and then coming back and chasing them down to to tie the league title and then and then thumping them in the West Coast Conference tournament. I thought that was just really neat. Not because it was St. Mary's, just watching the guys like taking that loss, not freaking out, um, banding back together, catching them, blowing them out, you know, not blowing them out at home, but controlling that game and then really just putting the screws to them mm-hmm. um, in the WCC uh, final. That was just cool to see for those guys because y- you know how that stuff works when you get beat <clears throat> with a team and then you, you know, you, you know, you get in the foxhole or whatever you want to say and you reband back together and then things are successful your way it's pretty cool yeah for me it would have been the lmu game in la where they had lost at home yeah and that first 12 minutes or so was about as good a basketball as i've seen in a long time at the college level i mean guys defensively were perfect in their rotations because sometimes if you're too early you don't get the opportunity for a steal because you take a pass away but they would be perfect in the passing lanes active hands on the ball so they had a couple steals there and then they would get out and transition if they didn't get layups then they just they flowed into their half court offense almost effortlessly and i think literally everybody scored in the first eight minutes of that game yeah and so that that would have been it to me how about the biggest improvement by an individual player this season Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. I thought Nolan made strides throughout the season, especially early. He was a little bit tentative and, and had the turnover bug. So I think towards, you know, uh, half and then the back half and then the end of the season, he really made strides of just being solid with the basketball, flattening the defense. Um, you know, it's not always about scoring, especially when you got, you know, a scoring presence inside like Drew Timmy. So I thought, Nolan made a pretty good stride this year. Yeah, I would agree he made strides. For me, it was Ben Gregg. I mean, oh, yeah, to me, yeah. early, like it was like, whoa, he was like running through guys mm-hmm. on screens. He was attacking the offensive glass when there was no chance, just get back. Yeah. You know, there was late rotations. But by the by the early part of the conference, he was a really good player for them. Now he's going to, I think, grow as a player and, and have more freedom to shoot trail threes. Um, and I think he'll he'll become a better finisher because he struggled finishing through contact mm-hmm. at times. Um, but I, I think he showed a ton of improvement to me over the course of the year. Yeah, no, Ben, ben had a great season as well. And, you know, I think, you know, if you're looking at pure numbers from one season to the last, I mean, Anton had the best improvement mm-hmm. overall, but we already knew he was an impactful player Yeah, going into this season. He just finally got a chance to start. So we're not leaving him out or he's totally Well, his numbers, that. he impacts the game even when his numbers don't That's show what I'm saying. It. Yeah, he was an impactful player. Um, now he added the scoring numbers with it um, compared to last year. So he had a fantastic season. But I think, you know, Nolan and, and Ben, as far as, you know, being kind of, oh, shit. Get him out of the game, yep. you know what I mean? And now to like, oh, he can handle himself. Do you expect Anton back? Because he's got that extra COVID year. I would like for him to. I think it'd be the right decision, not just from a Gonzaga standpoint, but I thought he finally looks like he's springy and he's forgot the shoulder injury because mm-hmm. he had a messed up shoulder for a while. And people don't understand. It wasn't like a simple um, fix. It was one of those where if you like really bang, it would separate. So it was hard for him to like mentally play through that. And I totally get it. And now it looks like he's springy. He's like, you know, really confident. Like, come back and have another good year and put yourself in a position to play at the next level. Not that he can't now. Yeah. But to have another good year, you're going to give yourself more opportunities um, to play either in the pro in the NBA or in, in Europe somewhere. And there's a lot of guys that 
you know, pick and pop and or pick and dive and then can kind of do everything. That style of that's pro style of basketball yeah. that fits anywhere. Well, if he could be, <clears throat> you know, a guy that I kind of look at him as being similar to as a guy I played in the NBA against, you probably played against him, Ime Udoka. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that similar body. Anton, I think, is bigger. He's probably more explosive mm -hmm. finishing around the rim, but screen dive and then terrific defender. And as if Anton can really figure out, you know, he doesn't have to shoot the straightaway trail three. You know, I know that's an important shot in college, but mm -hmm. if he can figure out the corner three, yeah, he's now got an guy. opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I think he should come back. And it's not just, like I said, being a fan of Gonzaga. It's like, you had a really good year, man. Like, and if you have a, another free one, like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then also, like, if we're talking NIL, he's like the local kid that got the other NIL deals that mm -hmm. Drew had. It's like, keep getting those too. Yeah. So, I hope he does. I, I, I think the same for Malachi, but he's his situation's different. He's older and um, whatever, but um, I hope they both come back. When you look forward to next year, um, <clears throat> is there – who do you want to see – who do you think maybe is the most important player to make that next jump? I know the, the roster's <clears throat> in flux probably. Yeah. There may be another guy in the portal. We don't know who's coming in yet, but of the guys that we anticipate and expect to be back – who do you think is the most important? Nolan. Nolan's got to make a yeah. jump. He just, as a point guard, he's got to, um, like I said, he made an improvement. Now he's got to make a jump scoring. He's got to score the basketball next year, I think. Um, like I said, he started to handle himself as far as flattening the defense, making the right reads, passing the basketball, controlling the flow, but now he's got to score the basketball. Yeah. No, so. I'm, I'm right there with you. I thought he made tremendous strides, I think. You know, I've always said this, unless you're an outlier, mm -hmm. it takes three years to get comfortable, whether it's in college or whether it's in the yeah. NBA. No, that's, it that's takes good. three years. Yeah. And he'll be heading into his third year. He's played on some good teams, but he's been that guy that his responsibility has grown. Well, next year, the responsibility will really be on mm -hmm. him. So you, you would expect the leadership to get better. The skills are going to get better. You've seen them get better. Mm -hmm. You would imagine the, the shot gets a little bit more... Uh, consistent with the rotation and, and the finish and, and the follow-through uh the finish work on the interior i yeah, think you know, he's package. creative enough with the handle to get in the paint but you gotta get a layup package yeah consistently get to yeah. it and finish yeah I um, so i would agree with with him last question and this is two different guys uh as we wrap up the season drew timmy unbelievable mount rushmore of gonzaga players all-time leading scorer He's already announced he's gone. Mm -hmm. He's not coming back, and that, to me, is the right move. Um, would have loved to see him come back, but I, I knew he wasn't going to. And Julian Strother showed flashes improvement. Mm -hmm. Those two guys I would expect uh, are going to have a lot of attention, NBA workouts, NBA draft. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if Julian will be coming back doing what – he'll at least do what he did last year, go through yeah. the process, get some workouts, have a decision to make. Drew's gone. Do you expect or anticipate either of those guys to be drafted? Uh, yeah, I think Drew's going to get an opportunity just uh, based on his you know, college um, career, and then somebody um, will give him a, a shot, and then maybe he can prove people some wrong, like a, you know, go out there and play well in summer league and stuff like that. And then I think Julian has the, the makeup to be a, a pro wing, kind of like Corey Kispert was, so, you know, play defense, you know, knock down – shoot the hell out of the ball from the perimeter, be long athletic. Um, so I think Julian has a better chance to get drafted, but I think they both will. Um, selfishly, I hope Julian, you know, doesn't, or that he gets told that he needs to come back again because he's going to yep. help our team. 
Um, but he showed glimpses of being like a three and D guy. And that's just what I think he is in the NBA. I'm not trying to limit him, but I think he's a, you know, you, you space the floor, um, and then you play defense. And then once you get grow into that role, your, your game can expand in the NBA, but that's where you're going to be viewed at, at the start. Right. Yeah. And, um, so Corey was the same way, like similar body type. Corey's more athletic. I like, that's not even a question. Corey's way more athletic. Um, but similar, like straight line, drive hard, finish, you know, catch and shoot three, like quick burst, one dribble pull up. Like that's what Corey did. And so I think Julian has the same makeup um, to have the same similar role, you know, in the NBA. So I think I, I haven't looked at draft boards, to be honest. So I don't know where they where they stand, but I think they both have a good shot to get drafted. Yeah. Sure. On our website for Gonzaga Nation SI, I was able to connect with a couple of front office executives anonymously and ask what they thought. And, uh, one guy thought Julian's a definite first round pick. Yeah, I don't, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Another yeah. said, Hey, he's a great shooter, but he's limited athletically, mm-hmm. um, which kind of goes to your point. I mean, because he doesn't finish over through or around yeah. people at the rim, he mm-hmm. kind of gets to that mid range and he can't, doesn't have that burst to finish. So he gets uh, to that floater game. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, but they said the same thing. He needs a, become a not they said he's a good shooter but you gotta be like, can he become a great shooter you gotta be elite. to stick yeah yeah to be elite. and then as far as drew um he they a couple of the guys said he's one of the hardest we've ever had to peg ever mm-hmm. just because where does he fit in the nba game he's as talented offensively as anybody that they've seen with with post moves footwork finish either hand um tremendous college player but where does he fit they said the at least one of them said he has to fit with the alignment of what our head coach wants to do with our second unit is really what it is yeah no makes sense and so it's one of those things where i see hey maybe a team that the coach has a vision for what he could do in that second unit Mm -hmm. picks him in the second round and they put him in a situation where he's going to bounce back and forth between the g league and the nba the first year or two of his career and see if if they struck gold because the nba is a weird evolving thing it went from dominant post-ups to dominant isos to pick and rolls to now all this open space and and shooting threes but if you can have one player that kind of gives you an advantage all of a sudden, Everybody. you're different. You have an opportunity to run with it. Yeah. And that might be where Drew, Drew fits. The thing is, we all know, they've said is defensively, he can't protect the rim, which is what they want their fives to do. Yeah. No, it, it, that's that, that's probably the biggest thing that's limiting him. Um, like I said, I don't know his where he ranks on draft boards, but it's rim protection is, is a big deal in the NBA, obviously, in, in size. So... But yeah, he can score the basketball. He has an opportunity to show that, and he will. And in, in either when he gets drafted, or if he doesn't, summer leagues, he'll be playing in summer league regardless. Um, so I think he has a great chance to stick somewhere, like you said, like play on a second unit, be a second unit scorer, come in and play for ten to twelve minutes. Maybe you get three touches and you go two for three. Like they look valid. That's value, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the NBA. So analytically, and go get three boards. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That's and then you work yourself into more of a role, like you mentioned. So I'm curious to see too. But honestly, like I think they both had great careers, and I wish them the best. And hopefully, they're wearing an NBA jersey. Yeah. Well, I know I'll be pulling for them. I'm, yeah. I know you will be. Yeah. Uh, anybody that wears that Gonzaga jersey that has a chance to make it to the next level, we want to see root them. For them. Uh, excel and, and and make 
a career out of it for themselves. Yep. So Mo, appreciate it. I know uh, year two, we did a lot on Zoom. We did a few in person. Uh, it's always fun for me to, to talk about what your angle is, what your viewpoint of is not just Gonzaga, but basketball. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, hopefully the viewers, the listeners enjoyed it as well. And we'll figure out if this will continue on next year. I know you've got your own podcast. I know I've got some different things podcast wise and different things I'm working on, but uh, it, it's always good to connect on these podcast shows. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. For Gonzaga Nation SI, Adam Morrison, Dan Dickow, we'll catch you again real soon. <laughs>